You're listening to Leading and Learning. This is the place where we talk about practical leadership, theology, fitness, how to create winning habits, and so much more. My name is David Spell, and I'm a retired police officer, a pastor, a New Testament scholar, and a leadership coach. My goal on leading and learning is to help you live your best life. Thanks so much for joining us today. Welcome back to Leading and Learning. This is episode number 261. How do we deal with the storms of life? Well, this episode is being recorded in, at the end of March 2020. And this is the, the peak, the height, or at least I hope it is, of the coronavirus pandemic. Everybody's supposed to stay home. Um, there's people dying. Uh, people in the hospital, churches aren't able to meet, businesses are having to shut down, uh, gyms are closed. It's uh, it's just a crazy time. You go to the grocery store, you know, shelves are empty of some things, and um, it really people are people are scared. And and uh, sadly, in too many cases, it's even Christians that are that are letting fear kind of creep in and take away the peace and the joy that God has promised us. So what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to do a couple of things in this post. First of all, um, in this post and probably in at least one more, um, we're going to be looking at how the, the New Testament deals with and teaches us to deal with the storms of life. You know, Jesus never said, come to me and then everything will be fine. Come to me and your life will be perfect. Come to me and you won't have any storms. No, not at all. But what we do see in the New Testament over and over again is Jesus showing us how to deal with the storms of life. And what I'm actually going to do is I'm going to use this as an example of what a topical or a thematic Bible study looks like. You know, there's a lot of different ways to study the Bible. And, you know, we've, we've talked about those, we've recorded on those, we've written on those, and um, there are many different ways, good ways, to study the Bible. But the one I'm going to use, the method I'm going to implement as we do this, is the thematic or the topical study. And what that is, is you have a particular thing that interests you or has gotten your attention as you've read, and so you begin to explore the rest of the Bible, or in this case, just the New Testament, and what does the New Testament say about this? So, so in our case, we're going to deal with the issue of storms. What examples of storms do we see in the New Testament, and how are we shown, how are we taught to deal with them? And so we'll be exploring a couple of the Gospels. We'll be um, going into Acts um, next time. We'll be looking at some other scriptures. And so this will be giving you a really good example of what a thematic study or a, or a topical study looks like. All right, stay with me. We're going to be right back. I just wanted to let you know before we jump in and talk about how we deal with the storms of life, I wanted to let you know that this episode of Leading and Learning is brought to you by my book, 
Peter and Paul and Acts. This was my first book. Um, you know, it was it, it's very, very uh, uh, precious to me, very important to me, because it was my first book. And this was my, actually, it's my doctoral dissertation. Um, I got a PhD in theology, and this was the book that I wrote. Um, and and it, what, what it is, it's an in-depth analysis of the apostolic ministries of Peter and Paul, kind of side by side. These are the two preeminent apostles in the early church. They are responsible for really taking Christianity from um, Judea, a uh, small backwater of the, the Roman Empire, and, and really taking it throughout the known world. And uh, Peter and Paul were the two most eminent uh, apostles. The first half of the book of uh, Acts deals with Peter's ministry. The second half deals with Paul's ministry. Um, it's, it's interesting. It's historical, but it's also theological and very practical to, to really show you how these two guys did their ministry, the things that they did, how they planted churches. So check it out. There's a link in the show notes, and I know that you will love it. Well, all right. We're talking about how we deal with these storms of life. And the first storm that we're going to look at is found in Mark 4. And this is the famous story of Jesus sleeping in the boat. How dare he? He's asleep and the storm is raging around him. I'm just going to read a few verses from Mark 4. Um, they're in a boat. They're crossing the, the Sea of Galilee. It says, A great wind storm arose... The waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling with water. But Jesus was in the stern asleep, asleep on a cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? This is such a, a powerful story. You've probably heard it preached before. And, you know, it's actually in all three of the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Um, what's interesting about the way Mark presents the story is he doesn't tone down anything. When, when the disciples ask Jesus, um, Teacher, don't you care that we are perishing? Matthew and Luke actually tone the language down just a little bit. Mark doesn't. When you read this, especially in the Greek, it's very, the tone that's used is very angry and very disrespectful. And I get it. How many times have you been in a crisis and you've lost your temper? Um, you know, something scared you and you said some words that you probably shouldn't have said. I mean, it happens to all of us. And that, that seems to be what's happened with the disciples here. But is it, isn't it fascinating that the guys who are the fishermen, the, the experienced boat, boatmen, I mean, these are the, the guys that are on the Sea of Galilee every day, they're so scared that they're trying to wake up the carpenter to get some help on calming a storm. Now, of course, that's kind of facetious because Jesus was much more than a carpenter, and, and they understood that. But this is such a great story and such a great reminder to us as we go through this difficult time of, 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 of dealing with this virus and, 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 and the uncertainty that we see, not just in our own nation, but all over the world. And so I want to 
just bring a couple of points out of this story is the fact that, first of all, Jesus is in the boat. Um, The disciples are crossing the sea. He said, let's cross the sea. And Jesus is in the boat with him. Now, it doesn't look really good. It looks like the boat's going to sink, but Jesus is in the boat. And no matter what it looks like in your situation, you know, you may have been be, be have been affected by this crisis economically. Your hours may have gotten cut, and so many people have even lost their jobs. It's a it's a very traumatic time. But don't forget, Jesus is still in your boat. If you have asked Him into your life, if you're a Jesus follower, He is there with you. He is in the boat. Now it may seem like He's asleep. Maybe we may be looking and going, Jesus, where are you? Why are you letting this happen in the world? Why haven't you stopped this? And and if we're honest, we all think that sometimes. God, why are you allowing this? Why? Listen, Jesus is in the boat with us. This is not a surprise to him. This is an opportunity for his glory to shine. So Jesus is in the boat with us. And the disciples wake him up. And, and when he's awake... The first thing he does is he speaks to the storm. He rebukes the wind and says to the sea, Peace, be still. And you know, some storms, and this is really the the first point I want to make, some storms need to be spoken to. Some storms we need to just tell them, Be quiet, peace, be still. You know, Jesus said in another place, he said, If there's a mountain in your way, speak to this mountain and tell it to get out of the way. Speak to it in faith and see what happens. And you know, in our lives, we we have these situations. We've got, of course, this worldwide crisis, but we have these other storms and, and, and we think that it's bigger than God. Listen, speak to the storm. Speak to the storm. And you know, it may not necessarily change your circumstances, but it'll sure calm the storm inside of you. You know, often I find that, you know, circumstances, things are happening, and and, and I may not have any control over them, but I can speak peace to the storm inside of my life. Jesus said, in, or excuse me, Paul said in Philippians 4, he said, and this is the New Living Translation, he says, don't worry about anything but pray about everything. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So, you know, when I'm, when I'm beginning to feel anxious, when I feel that storm raging inside of me, you know, that's the time that I should be prompted to pray. When the storm is raging, when I feel fear, when I feel worry, when I feel anxiety, that's the time to pray. So speak to the storm. Jesus said, peace be still. Speak to that storm around you. Speak to your circumstances. Speak to what's going on inside of you. You know, the world tells us that, you know, we're going to have a recession. We're, we're going to suffer financially. People are going to lose their lives. Speak to the storm. Speak to the storm. You and I as believers have the responsibility to pray, to lift up our voices and ask God to stop this this virus, to to pray and ask for it to come to an end. Speak to the storm. Speak to your circumstances, but also speak to the storm that's raging inside of you. So that's the the first example of a storm that that I want us to look at. The second one is actually found in Matthew's gospel. 
And this is in chapter 14. And this is another famous story, very famous story. This is the story of Jesus walking on the water and Peter wanting to walk on the water too. Now, this is after Jesus has just fed the 5,000. This is in Matthew 14. Jesus has just fed the 5,000. He sent the, the disciples on ahead to the other side of the lake. And now there's a storm. And it says, um, let's see. But the boat was by this time a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus came to them walking on the sea. They were terrified. They said, it's a ghost. And Jesus cried out, take heart, it is I, don't be afraid. Peter answered, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water to Jesus but when Peter saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand, took hold of him, saying, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. And now this story is fascinating on so many levels because uh, Mark actually talks about this story. I believe Luke actually mentions it too, but they don't talk about Peter walking on the water. It's only Matthew that gives us that detail. And there's several reasons for that that um, we can talk about another time. But in this, in this account, Matthew shares this story of Jesus walking to. The disciples are in the water. This time, Jesus is not in the boat. Jesus is not in the boat this time, and there's a storm. And they're panicking. They don't know what to do. They think they're going to sink. And then Jesus comes to them walking on the water. And what's interesting is the, the language that's used here, Jesus says, take heart, it is I, don't be afraid. In the Greek, basically what Jesus says is, fear not, I am. Fear not, I am. And, you know, this is really, really a powerful statement because it's taking us back into the Old Testament where where. Um, when Moses asked God who he was, you know, when God appeared to him in the burning bush, who are you? And Moses uh, said, God, who are you? God says, I am. And that's the language Jesus uses here. He says, now, of course, our, our, our translations, you know, change it up a little bit. Take heart, it's I, don't be afraid. But in the original, I, don't be afraid, I am. So this is, this is an amazing statement by Jesus. But again, Jesus is not with them in the boat. They're scared, but yet here he comes. In their moment of need, there he is. And you know, there are times in our lives when we wonder where he is. You know, it doesn't seem like he's in the boat, and at the moment he's not. And yet, at their moment of need, here he comes. He comes walking up. Um, you know, and he says, here I am. And I think there are times in our lives when, when God tests us, when God um, tries, when, when we go through that period of time when, when God is just stretching our faith and just seeing how much we really trust him. Um, are we going to panic? Are we going to fret? Are we going to let fear take over? Um, but at that moment of need, he's always there. 
he, he wasn't going to let his guys, he wasn't going to let his buddies get hurt. And so when he sees what they're going through, um, you know, when he, when he hears them crying out or whatever was going on on that Sea of Galilee again, um, he shows up in just the nick of time. He comes walking to them on the water. And you know, what's, what's another interesting thing about this story is Peter's the one who initiates this walking on the water. He said, Lord, if it's really you, command me to come to you on the water. Now, I don't know about you, but I've never walked on the water. I've never even really considered the possibility because that's impossible. It's not something that we can do. And yet, and, and Peter, you know, it's not like he's a, a simple man. He's, he's, he's a businessman. He's, he's, uh, he, he's, he's very wise in so many ways, um, becomes such a great leader in the church. And something inside of him stirs and, and faith rises up, and he believes that he can do the impossible. Because Jesus is there, he believes that he can do the impossible. You know, the, uh, the, 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 this is actually referred to, it's a gift of the Holy Spirit, Paul referred to in 1 Corinthians 12, is, is the gift of faith. The gift of faith has to be present for us to do something impossible, for us to, um, to do something crazy like walk on the water. And so, so in this moment, we see this gift of the Holy Spirit in Peter's life, this gift of faith. And, and Jesus says, come, and he starts walking on the water towards Jesus. I, I, I mean, look, Peter is the man. Um, if you've ever had any doubt about it, I mean, look, he gets a bad rap because he's denied Jesus. Well, so have I and so have you. Um, he says the wrong thing sometimes. Well, so have I and so have you. But you know what? He also walked on the water. And, you know, people are quick to point out, well, he, he, he looked at the storm and got his eyes off Jesus and began to sink. Yes, he did. But he walked on the water. And so in my eyes, Peter is absolutely the man. Did did his faith begin to waver? It sure did. He's walking on the water. I think at some point he realized, wait a minute, what am I doing? I'm walking on the water. This is impossible. And he began to sink. But you know, he did more than the other 11 did. And uh, he, he demonstrated his faith. And this is something about Peter that we see over and over again, is he was a man of faith. You know, you, you, you look at what he did in Acts. I mean, at his hands, God worked so many miracles. He was a, a powerful, powerful minister of the gospel that operated in a gift of faith. And, you know, I mean, sometimes people say, well, which gifts of the Holy Spirit, you know, should, should I develop? I mean, I believe we've got access to all of them, the ones in 1 Corinthians 12. But, you know, really, the there's so many powerful ones, but the gift of faith seems to unlock so many of the other gifts. And so I would just say, listen, you know, let's let's ask God to increase our faith. But but we see him begin to walk on the water with Jesus or towards Jesus and then he begins to sink. But you know again, Jesus is there. Jesus is not going to let him get hurt. He immediately pulls him to the surface and they get in the boat. And you know, what a powerful testimony. And what a powerful testimony to the other disciples because for the rest of their lives they remembered that not only did Jesus walk on the water, but also Peter, the guy who became their leader, he walked on the water as well. This is such a powerful thing. You know, uh, Paul in, in Romans 8 gives us such a, a great exhortation um, about overcoming things. 
And, and that's essentially what we're talking about here. We're talking about overcoming. We're talking about walking. You know, this, this storm says, I'm going to sink you. But Jesus says, nah, we'll just walk on the water. We, we don't have to worry about it. I mean, I'm firmly convinced that if the uh, disciples' boat had been sinking, he would have just enabled all of them to walk on the water. There's no reason not to believe that. But, um, you know, and I think for us to, to, to just remember, listen to what Paul said. This is in uh, Romans 8. It says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress? Shall persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or the sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, when Paul wrote this, he was writing to the church in Rome. And you just have to look at a little bit of history to see that the church in Rome went through some severe and serious periods of persecution. There were times when the Christians were hunted down and they were... uh, sport, they were thrown into the Colosseum, or they were killed on sight, or they were crucified, or in some cases, and Nero was a sick guy, he would actually crucify them and set them on fire, and they became like street lamps along the the, the road in Rome. Uh, Horrible, horrible things. And yet Paul says here, writing to those Christians, he said, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Nothing that we're going through. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And as we go through this time of of crisis and uncertainty, and you know what's fascinating to me is this is not just an American thing. This is a global uh, issue that really I've never seen before. Most of us in our lifetime have seen nothing like this. And yet we have the promise that we are more than conquerors through Christ and that nothing will separate us from His love. So, just a quick recap. The first storm, Jesus is in the boat with us, and we can speak to that storm just like Jesus did. And the second storm, Jesus is not in the boat, but yet He shows up at their moment of need. When they needed Him the most, He showed up. And He even gave Peter the ability to walk on the water in the midst of the storm, to show that we are more than conquerors. Well, next time, we'll come back. We're going to look at a couple of more storms in the New Testament and see what the Bible says about how we should handle these storms. Friends, thanks for being with me. Um, I'd love for you to go to davidspell.com. Leave me a question or comment in the comment section. And make sure you subscribe so that when I put fresh content out, which is three times a week, it comes right into your inbox. I love to stay in touch with you. Well, friends, thanks for being with me. And let's just continue weathering this storm.